Hello and welcome to Health Healing and Hampton Roads. I'm Dr. Felicia Mebbin, Executive Director of the Center for Public Health Initiatives at Norfolk State University. And I am so excited to have as my guest one of my friend colleagues at Norfolk State University, Dr. Alicia Moore. Hi, Dr. Moore. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. No problem. So, Dr. Moore, tell us about your connection your connection to Hampton Roads. Well, um, I'm connected in ha- to Hampton Roads in several ways. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I first moved to the area um, in 2008 and have been just an uh, active volunteer for different causes in the area, just on my personal time. But more in a pro- uh, professional role, especially with my role here at Norfolk State, um, community engagement takes the shape of health equity for the LGBT plus community. It's a lot of the work that I've been doing um, just ensuring that members of that community, you know, are treated right when they interface with our healthcare establishments and, you know, health literacy and things of that nature. Okay. And that's been occupying a great deal of my time, my research endeavors, grant writing, and things of oh, that nature. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So we're going to talk more about that. So the theme with Dr. Moore is going to be community engagement because she's super active as she's already hinted. We'll talk a, l- a lot about that a little bit more. But tell us a little bit more about your training. Like, how did you get here? What's oh, your wow. role at Norfolk State? Okay, well, I serve multiple <laughs> roles That's at right. Norfolk right. State. Um, well, what what led me, I would say, to, to my passion for community engagement, especially in this area, when I first started at Norfolk State, I was actually the outreach coordinator for the College of Science, Engineering, and Technology. And I served Oh, so in, you weren't a professor? No. Oh, that's so cool. That's cool. So for the first three years here, my job was interfacing, representing the College of Science, Engineering, and Technology in terms of the Hampton Roads community, you know, setting up science fairs and having our professors go out and talk to kids and bringing kids on campus for summer research programs and things of that nature. Okay. And once I realized how important Norfolk State is to the surrounding community, it just made me want to just dig in a little bit deeper. So was that before you had your PhD or after? That was after? before I had my PhD. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So once I got the PhD, well, even well, before I got the PhD, I transitioned to the classroom as an adjunct. And then once I got the PhD, I became a full-time um, professor here. And I, I recently just got promoted to ass- associate professor. Congratulations. And I got tenure. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let me say it. Let's say that loudly and proudly. <laughs> I am talking to a tenured professor at the Norfolk State University. That is right. And, I, and I'm currently teaching in the Department of Nursing and Allied Health. Mm-hmm. I am the Program Director for Health Services Management. And I'm so proud our department has been growing just due to the need of health professionals. We just created a Master's of Healthcare Administration. We're in the process of designing a Master's in um, Health Informatics. And spoiler alert, I am trying to create the first PhD program for our department. Oh, nice. (laughs) Okay. So why do you do all that? I mean, Um, what's your motivation? One, One of the things that I would love for folks to learn about the people who are engaged in health and public health in this area is how they get there well um twofold um i i am, was raised in barbados so coming over here to virginia state you know 
that uh, family-like environment for me being an international student was very, very key to my success. So in terms of what drives me, I see a lot of myself running around Norfolk State's campus. Oh, okay. and, and it really just, you know, I, I try to be, try to create a, a home away from home here. And that just drives me to develop these programs so that we can meet the need, you know, of, um, of public health and, and health in general. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that there's a lot of turnover due to COVID and we're just trying to develop relevant programs and really give the students the skills that they need to become competent professionals. So that's definitely a driver. Mm -hmm. In terms of my own personal research, I know I alluded to just health equity before. Um, uh, my everybody wonders how I got into this field because I literally just had my fourth child. So, okay, but LGBT Again, is stopping. my hello. hello. Okay. Wait, wait, wait a moment. Wait a moment. Also acknowledging what amazing situation that is. Congratulations. Thank you. His name is Mason. Shout out to Mason. Hi, Mason. For later. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I I had my favorite aunt is a member of the LGBT plus community. Mm -hmm. And she um, almost lost her life because she was diagnosed with um, cervical cancer. But because she wasn't, she, she's a lesbian, and because she wasn't engaging with men, she, due to lack of education, didn't feel the need to go get those Oh, the regular di checks. Di different mm -hmm. screenings that, mm -hmm. that, you know, the, the heterosexual women get. And plus it's Barbados. We're a little bit behind. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, thankfully we were able to catch it in time. And it just, it just was a highlight to me. I almost lost my aunt due to just lack of education for this particular um, demographic. And once I moved to America, it wasn't so much as a lack of education. They're here, they're loud, they're proud, not going anywhere. But then there's a it's a, it's a health equity issue, mm -hmm. whereas they're not receiving the same quality of care as okay. a heterosexual counterpart. Mm -hmm. And that really grinds my gears. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Because, mm -hmm. you know, just me personally, you know, I know this is America, capitalist, you know, but I do believe no matter how you look, what you are, your past, wh what are you going to do tomorrow? I just believe everybody has the right to health care. Yeah. You know, everybody has the right to just be able to, to see a professional and, and have their needs met in a competent way. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways I think that you're a wonderful role model is that you are connecting your passion. There is a personal story behind it. And that's what's driving you to do what you're doing now. Is Absolutely. that right? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and as, I, as I've been doing this work, I, I've realized that at first it just started with a, a little small focus, you know, and then it, it's expanded because it doesn't matter what letter you are in this in this demographic. Mm -hmm. Each of them have their own specific challenges and struggles, especially when it comes to interfacing with healthcare. Um, we recently tried to um, fund some community health workers to a grant with um, HRSA. Mm -hmm. We were unsuccessful, but we will try again. Absolutely. Because health navigation is also so so key. You know, when, when I'm a woman coming into an OBGYN office, but I am on hormones and I've had my breast removed and, you know, all of these things, where can I find that provider that's going to see me and not judge me? And, mm -hmm lack of education on the side of healthcare providers in this area is chapter two. It's chapter two of the, of, of the research. And I've been working with one of the founders of Empowering Transgender Services. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and she does amazing work um, in the community. And we're looking to kind of just bring some type of model or program to the area where, you know, not just the doctors, but even the front desk personnel can understand the importance of using proper pronouns and, and, and things of that nature. Right. Mm-hmm. Because little things like that can tend to dissuade individuals from returning to that practice right. or seeking or following the treatment um, regimen or whatever the case may be. Right, right. And I can imagine some folks are thinking, well, you know, I don't know a lot of LGBTQ plus, I plus folks, but to me, you know, there's always in public health been some focus on what we've said are vulnerable populations or populations where the outcomes aren't the same. To me, if you do well by one of those groups, you're helping everybody. Absolutely. Because the competence that you have in recognizing what that group needs or what the person who walks in the door needs carries over. Absolutely. I mean, you, you made a good point. And, and whether you realize it or not, and I, this is what I try to tell our graduates, you know, Competency is important, you know, because health is personal, mm-hmm. and folks want to feel comfortable, and they want and they want to be able to trust the individual that is sitting across from them. So, whether you are familiar with the population, whether you know individuals who represent this population, chances are, as you matriculate through your professional life, you're going to interface with a member of this population as a graduate of Norfolk State University, especially coming out of my program. (laughs) I want you to be able to, you know, just trim the fat and and strip the fluff and meet people where they are regardless of X, Y, Z. Right. Just because, again, you know, for the population that's particularly um, supported by Norfolk State, right, black and brown communities, I mean, all communities, but particularly, again, we if we want people to be savvy, recognizing our culture and recognizing what works for us, then we, I think you also want to be open-minded. It doesn't mean you have to personally approve of anything, but you want to be, as you said, competency is not about what you personally agree with. It's about being able to recognize the need and then responding appropriately to give care, to give high quality care. I mean, that's what, that's what it's about. That's what it boils down to. Right. And and that's what I'm about. You know, um, I'm in a sweet spot because I get to interface with the allied health side. So that's your non-clinical folks. And then we have the, we have the nurses right next door. Uh Um, So, you know, just, and and a lot of focus has been on the clinical side. But you, you know, we can't leave out those allied health professionals, those um, administrative professionals, because they set the tone. Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to be forthcoming in a good mood when I talk to my daughter, when I, I mean, to my doctor, when I feel like I was disrespected at the front? Right, desk. I was sitting in the reception, and now I'm, and I'm irritated <laughs> already. You got it. And public health, right? So at Norfolk State, we're adding a public health focus to, yes, to the Department of Nursing and Allied Health here, which, again, is about going out into communities and thinking about prevention and not just thinking about it, it's about training professionals to focus on prevention and focus on policies and focus on so that we'll have a really nice compliment you know sort of package of complementary programs I think Absolutely. Um, when we when we add those as well so tell us a little more specifically about a particular project that you've been working on so you talked about I think at a higher level mm-hmm. but for folks who are not familiar with programs can you tell <laughs> us a little bit more well I 
I'm kind of now getting back on the horse, um, coming off of my maternity leave. But um, one of the projects that I'm looking to launch here in January is a project where we um, are, again, partnering with Empowering Transgender Services because they already have a model that they have implemented um, in New York mm -hmm. where they go around to different um, health care facilities and offer that type of education wherein we're educating individuals about how to be culturally competent when interfacing with LGBT plus community. Okay, so when you say individuals, you're talking about healthcare providers, nurses, and admins, and everybody okay. in Phys that physicians, yes. the pharmacists, the receptionists, the whoever, respiratory therapists, you nursing assistants, etc. CNAs. <laughs> okay, so then how how are like do they volunteer for this or how do you identify people to help them with this? Well, the good or organizations, I should say, probably. Yeah. Well, the good news is is that there's already been a big complaint about it. <laughs> right. Um, so we already have identified um, practices who have already expressed interest in letting us come in. You know, compensating their um, employees to stay that hour after five o'clock for that training. Um, but we want to expand it for sure okay. because um, right now we only have four or five in it. And it is in its infancy, but I think about the impact of it. You know, when we when we hear stories about those horror stories, right, where individuals were not able to get care and then some adverse effect happened because of it. Right. You know, and, and this community is very word of mouth. So the good news is, is that once we can get a palette of, you know, a, a, a LGBT affirming dentist and an LGBT affirming in each of the seven cities, then we won't have to play that guessing game because VDH has a list. But unfortunately, the feedback from members of the community is that the list uh, is outdated. Right. So they'll call. Places have moved. You know, places are no longer, especially after COVID, a lot of businesses shut down and, right. and practices shut down. Mm -hmm. So just to be able to also lend that arm to the VDH to say, here, here's a list of what we found. They're trained. You know, they're they're welcoming. Mm -hmm. You know, they're non-discriminatory. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a resource that you can provide. It's already on your website. It's just up, outdated. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking to add to that. Nice. So, okay, so the VDH is the... Virginia Department of Health. Okay, so just to recap, <laughs> Virginia Department of Health does have specifically identified offices and practices that are supportive of these communities, yes. but the list is outdated. Correct. And one thing that I love about this is, okay, so as a professor, you have to do research, you teach, and you do community engagement and practice. And this is connecting those things together, right? Absolutely. I mean, you have done the research to say these are effective practices, and then you take it out doesn't just get published. You actually yes. take it out into the community and do something. Yes. You know, we, we um, about seven months ago, we had a focus group in Williamsburg. We hosted it at the Great Wolf Lodge, and, and we invited some key stakeholders from that community to just come sit and we, so we can hear from a higher level, not just, you know, these are individuals who are CEOs of programs that cater to this, you know, to this demographic. And, and what we were hearing is, you know, folks are even coming from North Carolina to the 757 trying to get help. Mm. You know, a lot of folks are leaving Hampton Roads and driving to Richmond. I actually was sitting with um, an individual who was, I guess, a health navigator. And he actually had to leave the focus group early to drive a client to Charlottesville to go get T-shots. 
the ins and out of it. I don't know, HIPAA and all that mm-hmm, good stuff. Mm-hmm. But it just brought a highlighter to, to the, even though we're doing better than some areas, there's definitely still some room to grow in the Hampton Roads area as far as just shoring up our, our health delivery systems to cater to everybody, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know? And as you mentioned before, Norfolk State being the HBCU, we have that niche, right? And people look to us in terms of social policies across the board right. as a leader when it comes to issues and policies that affect the black and brown. And equity and social justice. You mm-hmm. said it, mm-hmm. you know? And even in this community, um, um, harassment in medical settings, uh, HIV AIDS when you compare the black and browns to the to the majority when you when you compare the emerging majorities to the established majorities mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the outcomes are always worse so not only in a in a in a pot you see that the LGBT has adverse health disparities health outcomes mm-hmm. and, and health equity issues mm-hmm. but then when you break it up and compare their white and black counterparts you see that the black and browns have it even worse at the end of the state right right <laughs> So, I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at that. I'm, I'm laughing, audience, because Dr. Moore is so excited. She's moving away from the mic. <laughs> I have to remind her to get closer back to the mic so you guys can hear. Um, so on that note, actually, because I think sometimes when we focus on health disparities and competency, um, we don't put enough emphasis on the positive things that come from <laughs> the variety of communities. I mean, do you have, and I'm putting you on the spot. She's okay. not prepped for this, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you have an example of a good hack or a good way, um, you know, folks from these communities have helped each other or helped themselves? Or, you know, I know there's a lot of positive energy that we should also focus on especially when we flip it around and say health equity, mm-hmm. you know, moving to the positive side of it, pursuing what, what the ideal is yeah. um, at the same time that we focus on closing the gaps. Yeah. I would say one of the major strides is awareness. Um, we haven't solved, but at least everyone, well, not everyone, but more people are becoming aware of the issue. And once you become, it's, it's hard to address a problem if you don't know the problem exists. Mm-hmm. So the more people that are aware that the problem exists brings, brings that spotlight to it, brings those research funds to it, bring those influencers to it, you know, bring, those, bring the establishment of best practices. Also, mm-hmm. um, some research that I found, um, not that I found that I did, mm-hmm. um, just, just highlighted that in this area particularly, you would think that apparently Facebook is played out. You know, maybe I'm telling my age, but I didn't know. We both are. <laughs> I didn't know Facebook was playing. Yeah. So when I asked, you know, how, how, how do you guys spread the word? If you mm-hmm. find a gender-affirming um, per- practitioner or whatever the case may be, how do you get the word out that this person's here, they're good, they're competent, they're helpful? You know, how do you get that word out? They're, and I was like, do you guys use social media? They're like, yeah, but we don't use Facebook anymore. But um, <laughs> like I said, this community is very reliant on, on words of, word of mouth. You know, once one person kind of finds a, a, a foothold somewhere, they're very, very good at letting the community at large know. Um, the LGBT Life Center here in Virginia Beach is a major hub mm-hmm. for, for that, you know, getting information and then disseminating it out to mm-hmm. the, the community mm-hmm. at large. And we have established a partnership with them. So I'm very excited about that. Nice. <laughs> That's really nice. So, again, it sounds as though again, there are people who will participate in focus groups who yes. will share the information with each other, even if it's not on Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> um, who will work in these organizations, for example, to help provide the services that are needed. 
did, yes. like the the organization you talked mm -hmm. about in Virginia Beach. Yeah, a lot of health navigator. They have a lot of um, support groups, you know, because there's a lot of trauma mm -hmm. um, historically associated with this population. Again, to highlight, a lot of that trauma comes from interface with healthcare professionals. Right. We also found um, some trauma related to religion. Um, some trauma just, you know, related to dealing with the cops, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and it, it's just so, it's just so important to, to be aware and just pull the resources that are available. But there, there is work being done. Um, can it be better? Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. That's yeah. really, I'm so glad to have you here because the more we talk <laughs> about these, I know there's still some, like you were saying, there's trauma, which because there's still stigma around, um, some of these populations, not for who, you know what I mean? I mean, even, see, right, even now, I'm trying to be <laughs> careful about how I say it because I want to be appropriate, but, you know, I just, I feel as though there's still a challenge because some people are still uncomfortable talking about um, some of these, some of the issues, some of the ways that care is not what it should be. I'm not as familiar with services for this area, so again, I'm really happy to have you here talking to us. Yeah, I'm excited, um, and I thank you for the opportunity too. Because, like I said, awareness is step one. Mm -hmm. You know, and and allies are appreciated. Like myself, I, I'm a proud ally of this community, mm -hmm. and you know, w w I kind of go where the, where the work leads me. I, I don't really know what, what's next after we try to just kind of shore up the competency of practitioners in the area. But I'm sure data from that will lead to something else. Right. And 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 the work is is nonstop, and I live for it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what we need. Professors who live and love what they do. So let's switch gears just a little bit back to academia. Okay. So if there's someone out there listening who mm -hmm. wants to engage to help this population or get more training or you know is just interested in health services and doing it in the best possible way mm -hmm. how would they get started um well at norfolk state we have um a, a spectrum organization and they're very very good about um hosting applicable events on campus like a world coming out day world trans day world aids day so that's a good way you can actually give back and participate and engage while coming on campus um i'm sorry so do you when you what do you mean by that coming on campus meaning that um they have workshops and, and symposiums and and speakers come in and and just community fairs and things of that nature that are hosted on norfolk state's campus um so if you ever want to just learn more you want to contribute your time in any way you know there's always on our website we're always doing something especially that spectrum organization on campus okay we're always doing something to where you we, we invite the community at large to come with us okay great yeah. so if you're interested you can tune into the north state website that's right and learn about programs and then what about training well we're going to um piggyback on <laughs> dr mevin don't laugh okay. we're, we're going to piggyback on the ahec oh. <laughs> Of course you are, as you should. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, the Area Health Education um, Center <laughs> is actually, for this area, um, is actually being housed at Norfolk State, which is so exciting. I think historically it had been at EVMS, um, but we're really excited about the opportunity to have that here. So once that is, a, and it has been established, I know um, earlier in the fall, that's definitely um, a resource that can educate you in terms of, a, a whole plethora of health related, <laughs> public health related um, topics. But 
I know personally I've advocated for the inclusion of some training regarding that that competency. And I know mm-hmm. the Health and Human Services website has a free, you know, open to the public training for this population for health professionals. So I hope that gets incorporated into. Yes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about that. So. <laughs> The Center for Public Health Initiatives here at Norfolk State is now the host of the Eastern Virginia Area Health Education Center, which is what Dr. Moore was talking about, (laughs) or the AHEC. And part of the charge of the AHEC is workforce development, and within that is continuing education training. So not degree programs, because that's what Norfolk State does, (laughs) but it is, you know, training opportunities for health professions in this region. Mm -hmm. So we will be... Um, working with partners across the region to identify both employers as well as our high schools as well as other academic institutions to see what kind of training do we need in this area Um, both training of people who might have no training whatsoever let's say you don't have a degree or you might be working on an associate's degree at a community college and you want to be a community health worker we will you know help you get that certification Um, as Dr. Moore was saying let's say uh, you you are in a health profession or interested in it and you want to get some training in being culturally competent and uh, working with different populations, we'll have workshops, we'll have continuing education opportunities, we'll have, uh, as the AHEC, uh, lots of opportunities for people to do that. So I'm super excited, yes, to work Me with too. you on that. <laughs> um, so we received the funding for that. Uh, in officially a few months ago. And so we are in the process of launching that. So again, folks, stay tuned to the North State website because there will be more information about those opportunities as well. But I also I also want to put a plug in. If anyone is out there, if you are uh, in the healthcare profession, if you are an organization, a not-for-profit, and you want to work with Dr. Moore on uh, supporting LGBTQ uh, plus populations, please contact her. How would they do that, Dr. Moore? Oh, you can reach me at my Norfolk State email. That's acmore at nsu.edu. That is my preferred method of communication. I don't want to give my phone number out on the air. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. They'll find you. Yes. And and, um, if you just peruse the Norfolk State website, if you go to the Allied Health Department, there will be a link um, to contact me as well there. So for the Department of Nursing and Allied Health. And if you go to the Norfolk State website and type in public health or even AHEC, you'll find the Area Health Education um, Mm -hmm. Center initiative as well. So as you mentioned, we're headed into a new year. Do you have any big ideas or big projects or things that you're thinking about working on? Yes. Okay. <laughs> As always, because she's a, she's a, she's a newly tenured professor, so yeah. of course she does. <laughs> I, I'm definitely the big idea guy. Am I the details guy? Not so much. But the big ideas, you can come to me for those. So um, health equity is definitely um, something that has been on my, it, it just everything that's just coming across my desk, it seems like, has this health equity focus. And I think it's just because the pandemic just put a big old highlighter on it. Right. Um, <clears throat> but what I have been working on is to secure um, grant funding from Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Mm -hmm. They have a culture of health initiative. Yes, yes. That's really, really exciting. So I'm I'm actually in the process of um, getting getting my documents together for that. But one of the things that I I would like to do, and 
I'm praying. Mm-hmm. I also serve as the um, director of undergraduate research for the College of Science, Engineering, and Technology. And because allied health and nursing have been housed in this math, physics, engineering college, mm-hmm. you know, a mm-hmm. lot of the, the funding and the opportunity has been STEM-focused. Mm-hmm. So allied health and nursing have kind of been left out mm-hmm. historically. Okay. But we have just... Um, Dr. Keefe, shout out to Dr. Keefe, the dean of, of, of the college, has secured some funding to where we can actually um, fund summer research for health and for allied health and nursing undergraduates. And that's the first time in Norfolk State's history. So nice. I'm really excited about that. Um, but for me, because, you know, I have that ability, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. Um, putting a limit on the proposals that are coming out of nursing and allied health, they have to have a health equity focus in order Mm. to be funded. Mm -hmm. That's number Mm -hmm. one. As far as um, the Robert Wood Johnson that I mentioned before, one of the things that I want to use those funds, if I get them for, is to just provide an incentive for professors to either design health equity classes to go into their curriculum or design health equity modules to be included in the courses already um we're very fragmented in the sense of you have you know your kinesiotherapist over there and your psychologist over there and your nurses over here um but this would be an opportunity for every major every department that is in any way remotely related to health to kind of jump on this health equity train that way there are graduating students who have this exposure and and who have this awareness that way we can, you know, mm-hmm. th- I'm hoping the domino will fall and end at impacting health disparities being improved. Right. <laughs> improved. No, that is so exciting um, because we have talked about uh, public health and health equity, right? Because that's mm-hmm. my focus and one of my roles on campus is to help facilitate the development of public health initiatives. And that's one of the focus areas as well, right? So we have proposed a master of public health degree that will have a concentration in health equity so you've just uh heard in live and in person (laughs) folks a networking opportunity right there because i didn't know that you were doing that but i think that's amazing and i can see how um you know we will follow up (laughs) and talk about how we can work on that together because that is going to that is one of the, the sort of foundations of public health anyway. Absolutely. And we know that the public health, the folks who are interested in public health on campus really want that to be foundational. So, but spreading it across the campus, that would be amazing. Yeah, our psychologists need to know about health equity. Our social workers need to know about health equity. Our, our um, athletic trainers need to know about health equity. All right. If, if, if you're in that wheelhouse, mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Moore, I want to thank you so much for being with us here today and talking about how you contribute to our communities and how you have visions for our campus and amazing things that are going to be happening for the rest of the year. Yes, absolutely. And I am especially happy that now I have uh, let you in on on my goals for next year, that you're willing to partner with me. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, when you get a partnership from Dr. Mabang, <laughs> it's usually a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut you tape later. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to you who are listening today. This is Dr. Felicia Mebbin with Health Healing and Hampton Roads.